I am the good shepherd. Jesus tells us that in John chapter 10, but what's the good shepherd? Who is he? King David, in Psalm 23, he sang, The Lord is my shepherd. And again in Psalm 79, 13, So we thy people and the sheep of thy pasture will give thanks to thee forever. Psalm 80, verse 1, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, thou leadest Joseph like a flock. In Psalm 95, 7, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hands. So we can see here that the good shepherd is the Christ. And also, we can see that the Christ is divine. The Christ is God Almighty. And God prepared a way for the Christ over centuries upon centuries of time. There are hundreds of messianic prophecies that were given until the day that Jesus came and he began fulfilling them one by one. And Jesus worked diligently and methodically and he was faithful to his calling. Even though he knew that the, the road ended at the cross. So here in John 10 verse 11, he says, I am the good sheep. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So by looking into prophecy written centuries before, we can see exactly how Jesus would give his life. We can see in great detail how he would die and how he would live. David and Isaiah and Ezekiel wrote about this, wrote about this day that we, we see here in John chapter 10. So we have multiple witnesses from ancient times, saying that this would happen. And then in the Gospels, in the Epistles, we have witnesses showing exactly how it unfolded and where did it happen, what place and what person, what was the situation, the details, the time. And we have this for every fundamental point of Jesus' ministry. So none of it's in doubt. This is fact. This is real. This is true. And that's why in John 10, verse 1, Jesus starts out by saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, truly. He's using the most solemn language to say I'm conveying the truth. And we have many ancient witnesses on this particular point. So as time permits, I'd like to look at Ezekiel 34. There's a prophecy there. And as the prophecy opens, the, the, the situation seems hopeless because we are God's sheep and are prone to wander. We're prone to wander off and find ourselves starving in a desert place, sick and wounded, and we're surrounded by vicious wolves. And this chapter, Ezekiel 34, says that the shepherds are evil. Ezekiel 34, verse 1. 
And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat, and you clothe you with the wool. And ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The disease ye have not strengthened. Neither have ye healed that which was sick. Neither have ye bound up that which was broken. Neither have ye brought again that which was driven away. Neither have ye sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. And they were scattered because there is no shepherd. And they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth. And none did search or seek after them. So God's sheep are perishing. God's shepherds don't care. They don't feed the sheep. They don't heal them. They don't protect them. They do steal from them. They take their tithes and offerings and make themselves rich with it. They enjoy the money and the fame and the power. And they think it's all because, about them because they're prideful and greedy and evil. And this is Messianic prophecy. Ezekiel is telling us what the Holy Land would look like when Jesus came. And at that time, the Pharisees held power and authority over God's people. And they were these evil shepherds, these thieves and robbers. So continuing on, Ezekiel 34.10, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against those shepherds. So God actually had a covenant with them, the law covenant. They, they were called to be those shepherds. The, the Levitical priesthood, it's in the law. But that covenant ended. They broke it. And after centuries and centuries of abuse, God finally said, enough is enough. And the Levitical priesthood ended. The, the uh, temple was destroyed. God's spirit left the temple. Jesus had said, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Matthew 23, 38. And then the Romans came and they knocked it down and took away every stone just as Jesus had said, this again fulfilled prophecy, Jesus had said, there shall not be left there one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Matthew 24, 2. So everything, notice, in this situation, as in all of them, when we're talking about Christ, it's mapped out carefully by prophecy. So these Pharisees thought they had everything, they had money, power, education, respect. They, they had a grand temple that was actually a wonder of the ancient world until God came and took it all away because he said, I'm against those shepherds. And since God searched diligently and could find no man worthy on the earth, he had to come down from heaven and do it himself. So that's in Ezekiel 34:11. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and find them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that is scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all the places where they've been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I'll bring them out from among the people and gather them from the countries 
and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. They shall, they shall lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountain of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord. I will seek that which was lost. I will bring again that which was driven away. I will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and I'll feed them with judgment. So God says he's going to come down from heaven. Do it himself. That's what he promises. And of course, we know today that's Jesus Christ. If we keep reading just a little bit, we'll see references to King David. And David was a king. He's also a prophet. And through David are delivered many messianic prophecies, many promises that are fulfilled in Christ. So Ezekiel 34 verse 24. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken it. And I'll make with them a covenant of peace. And I'll cause their, the evil beasts to cease out of the land. And they shall dwell in safety in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I'll make them in the places round about my hill a blessing. And I'll cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessing. So now you know where the song comes from. <laughs> <laughs> there will be showers of blessing. Blessings in Christ. And notice that the rain comes down in God's season. Oh, look around, it's now. It's happening all around us. So, will you be part of it? Will you choose to? And God's more than willing. He wants you to have this blessing, so He gave you his son, but will, will he receive it? It's up to you. So knowing these things, let's turn to John chapter 10. And if you look at verse 1, that's where the parable was told the first time. And none of his disciples understood it. Nobody understood it. So then, he tells it again. So, this time with the, the explanation. That's why John 10 verse 7. Then Jesus said unto them, again... Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. So how can Jesus be both the good shepherd and the door in the same illustration? Let's look back to those ancient times and the Hebrew shepherds that often graze their sheep in remote places, going looking for a place that had grass, they could graze their sheep. Say, so go out into the wilderness. And they'd have to sleep in places where there were predators. There were wolves. There were even lions there at that time. So these shepherds, over many, many years, they built a number of pens, you could call it, by piling up rocks. So when night was falling, they went to the nearest pen and it was a stone wall and a circle 
with an opening to go in and out, and there was no door. So when night came and the sheep lay down to go to sleep in the middle of the pen, the shepherd would lie across the door opening. And so what would likely happen if a lion came or a pack of ravenous wolves? They'd go and get to the sheep over the, the shepherd's body. He'd likely be sacrificing his life for the sheep. In John 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And there's different seasons in life. We have bright times. We have dark times. God, God allows everything that happens to happen. Nothing happens, at least without God's permission. And we all go through dark times. It's just a fact. And uh, the devil will come. He'll try to hurt you. He'll try to kill. He'll try to steal from you. But Jesus is the door. And this life that we've been given is a life of faith. But do you trust the door? Do you think... Uh, Jesus is a strong enough door. Or are you going to try something else? Many, many Americans are foolishly trusting in themselves. You know, when, when push comes to shove, they're trusting in themselves. And then when the wolf comes, they're like a sheep lying down asleep in the middle of a pen. And the, the door is just wide open. And don't do that. Put your trust in Jesus. It's something we should do, but God doesn't force us into it. It's something we learn how to do. And is God starting to illuminate the passage to our understanding now? Maybe the first time we read it, maybe it went, a lot of it went over our heads. But is God leading us to understand? So in John 10, verse 7, then Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life. And that they might have it more abundantly. So back in that day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and a lot of, this, a lot of the scribes were the false teachers. But th there are plenty of false teachers today. So don't listen to them. You can learn how to recognize Jesus' voice. If a voice of a stranger is coming out of someone, don't listen to them. If, it, if it's God speaking to you through someone then that's different. Jesus says, verse 9, I'm the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Okay, so you say the sinner's prayer, he gets saved. But there's more than that. Jesus says also, he's the door, so he shall go in and out and find pasture. And it takes more than just a surface understanding to get everything out of this. The Bible talks about meditation. For example, in, in Psalm 1, the blessed man is meditating on the scriptures day and night. 
And if you talk to an American, someone from Western culture, we think about meditation as a purely mental process. The, the Hebrew, different Hebrew words and concepts about meditation involve the mouth, and sometimes it's translated meditating, sometimes it's translated to speak to yourself in an undertone, but also it carries the meaning of uh, chewing something over. And we never had any sheep. The messengers across the street had cows or growing up, but I don't remember any sheep. Um, so I'm not really an expert, but I've seen them at the fair. They, they seem, but anyway, sheep seem to chew their food really well. <laughs> I, I don't know if you're eating grass or grain. I, I probably have to, but but then you go to Americans, and my goodness, you go to a go to a fast food restaurant, for example. A lot of Americans almost inhaling their food. Why do we do that? It's kind of crazy. I mean, we have some nurses here. I mean, <laughs> do, if, you, if you inhale your food, do you get all the nutrition out of it? Or do, you have, or do you have to chew it really well? I mean, why not slow down? Why not enjoy your food? Well, if it's great, you know, why not take some time? I mean, without food, without any food, we're going to die. But without good food and without drawing out everything that we can get from that, we're not going to be strong. And there are different times and seasons in life. There's different seasons that go across the earth. And now is not the time for a sick, weakly Christian that's that way because he didn't keep chewing and chewing on God's word. And Jesus says that once he put faith in Jesus... He becomes our door and we can go in and out and find pasture. So there's different times. There's time to go in, time to go out. When it starts to get dark, you can go in and Jesus is the door. So you know you're safe and protected and there's a peace there. And therefore, you can have a good night's sleep, which is really important. How many Americans today don't get good a good night's sleep and then they have a, a problem trying to be awake and alert in the morning and get the most out of life. Jesus just said he wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. Well, good sleep is one of those things that God wants us to have so much that Jesus died for, right? That he gives his life for the sheep. He lays down his body across that door opening, right? So you can have a good night's sleep. And then in the morning, God leads you out into green pastures. And there, there are different times. There are bright times, there's dark times. You put faith in Christ, say, Lord, you might door. And that's good. It's the beginning of a new life, but it doesn't mean that the wolf will never come again. In fact, if you look at verse 10, Jesus says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and destroy. So the wolf will come, the thief. And what, when he does, uh, what's the plan? Fight him yourself? Or, or let Jesus handle it. 
you know, there were lions in that time in the Middle East and even in Europe. Imagine that. It's actually lions in Europe in medieval times, so before then. They've all been killed now. Some, some places a little bit east of there, there's still uh, tigers, but from what I understand, they're right on the edge of extinction. But anyway, Middle East and Europe, no more lions. You'll find lions in Africa, right? And you'll find shepherds Way out in those remote areas, some of the tribes uh, really fond of cows, their cultures around cows. But they're, they're taking their livestock through these remote areas. I mean, we can call 911. <laughs> what do you do in the middle of remote Africa when you're guarding livestock and a bunch of lions show up, you know? No, but I'm serious. And then, where do they sleep? They walk a hundred miles to the hotel with the cows. They're sleeping out there. And there's lions, so what do they do? And it's, a, it's interesting. I find it interesting. It's a, it's a similar strategy. Africans, a lot of them still doing African tribes. It's a similar culture, similar strategy, as it was in ancient times with the Hebrews, in that they build these corrals. But instead of making the walls out of stones... What they do is they take branches off of trees, and there's trees with, I would say, ridiculously long thorns, and uh, that, that's their favorite ones to use, because a lion doesn't want to get stabbed climbing over the wall. It's called a boma. And they build this wall, a boma, in a circle with a door opening. They can't go to Home Depot and get springs and hinges or whatever. So what they do, is it's, it takes a little bit of planning. Okay, you know the sun comes up and down. We know the times and seasons. So the, the sun's getting close to the horizon. It's going to get dark, right, if you have any sense. So you shepherd <laughs> your livestock inside the boma, and then they have a number of branches set to the side, and they just set it across the opening. So they have a solid circle. And at night, you can hear lions roaring. And there's predators, uh, each predator has a prey that it goes for, and like our house cats chase a mouse, right, or a bird, you know. <coughs> and you see how excited they are to go after that bird, or even a string, it looks like a mouse tail. Well, lions are known to, to hunt humans, actually, and they roar. And animals can't talk exactly, but lions have different kinds of roars. If you get to know the animal, there's a roar when they're hungry. There's a roar to express like different emotions. Like when they're frustrated, they, they want to get over that wall of the boma to eat the people inside, but they're frustrated, they don't want to get stabbed. And I'd be wondering, I mean, I built this defensive wall out of thorns, is it uh, strong enough to keep the lion out? Do you have faith in it? Well, do we have faith in Jesus? And Peter, in uh, his first letter, chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about Seeking whom he may devour. 
And Jesus is strong enough. That's all I have time for today. But Jesus has come, might have life and have it more abundantly. And what's it mean? You know, we'll be celebrating a meal. This is a symbolic meal. We call it the, the Lord's Supper, sitting down at the Lord's table and we eat, we eat together a little piece of unleavened bread and drink a little fruit of the vine. But also, you can take spiritual food from here to, to eat at home. It's something you can take with you and chew it over. What is this abundant life in Christ? Amen.